If you have your Bibles with you, please open up to Romans chapter 5. And I just want to encourage you, if you're still new to reading the Bible, there is no shame in using the table of contents at the beginning. Um, I still do that depending on the book of the Bible. Uh, So when you get there, chapter 5, so big numbers are the chapters. And then starting in verse 12, so verses are the small numbers. Um, This is our, our reading for today. Therefore, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification." For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." When, uh, when I was in my younger 20s, um, I, I worked on an ambulance. And you see, if you, if you ever worked in, in um, as a first responder, or if you have a loved one who's a first responder or a friend, you, you know that there are uh, memories that they can't get out of their head, um, whether it be memories that are good or memories that are really bad. And so one of the memories that, that has, has remained in my head. And um, I, I, don't worry, I'm not going to go into like gory graphic detail here, but I, it's just um, one of the things that's in my head is, is there was a call that we got dispatched to. It was a, a motor vehicle accident. Um, you see, there was a, an SUV with uh, some, some young men, like 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and they were driving. It was like the edge of a neighborhood, so they were driving a little, a little fast, and they were approaching a two-way stop, and there was another vehicle going, um, going the other way, and they didn't have a stop sign. Well, the young men, whether they're distracted or whatever, they, they blew through the stop sign, and they T-boned the other vehicle. And so we're responding, we're responding to, this, to this scene. And, and when we get there, anytime it's, it's a motor vehicle accident, like with multiple cars, you need to count the number of patients that you have. Because if it's, I think it's like over, if it's over four or five, um, you have what's called a, a, um, uh, an MCI, a mass casualty incident. Uh, and so when you have a mass casualty incident, you have to categorize people based off severity. So you have four colored tags. You have black, red, yellow, 
and green. And so um, black represents someone who has died. Red represents someone who is critical. Yellow represents someone who has injuries and it's, it's intense, but they're, they're okay. And then green is like, okay, I got in a car accident, but I can get up and walk away, I'm fine. Well, when we got to the scene, we realized it was an MCI. We, uh, unfortunately, in the SUV, there was one young man who was not wearing a seatbelt, and he died on impact. So we had one, one person who, who had a black tag on him, and then we had another person who was trapped in a vehicle, and they had a red tag, so they were most severe, and then we had a couple yellows and a couple greens, and so we took the yellow and green off to the side. Me and my paramedic are working on the person who's trapped in the vehicle, trying to stabilize them and get them to the hospital. And so another ambulance came and, and fire was there and they were working on the yellows and the greens and, and they had put a, a blanket over the person who had died. Because we, we, like, we have to prioritize the person who's, who's still alive but is most critical. And so we're working um, to save this person's life. And, and the police have... have um, they have blocked off the intersection. Well, as we're working to save the person who's critical, while we're working to save their life, the parents of the young man who died showed up. And they're at the police barricade, and they're screaming because they know that their son has just died. And... Like, this, this has stuck with me because it, it, it reminds me that there are things in this world that aren't right. There are things in this world that are painful. And I don't think that the world was meant to be this painful or this hurtful or that we were supposed to experience death that way. In fact, I would, I would even say that even if you're not a believer, you would agree with me that there are things in this world that are not right, that, that are just messed up, they're twisted, they're wrong. Like, we can agree on that. But the thing is, as, as a believer, God tells me where the, the evil and the wrong and, and the bad, where it all comes from. God tells us where the source of that comes from. And you see, it, it, it comes from sin. We, we are all born into sin. And sin is, is this rebellion to, toward God because God designed life a specific way. And when we live life the way God designed it, we receive the most joy and God receives honor and glory. But there are times in our lives when we think we know better than God um, or, or we, just, um, we just say, okay, God, I know you designed it that way, but I really want to do life this way. And so we rebel against God's good design. Now, <clears throat> God also tells us where all of that stems from, where sin stem, stems from. And you see, it, it goes all the way back to when God created the world. You see, if you were to open up to the beginning of your Bible, Genesis, you see in chapter one, God is creating the world. He's creating the universe. And then in chapter two, God creates the first human. He creates Adam. 
and he formed him out of the dust of the ground. And Adam was meant to be the the representation of humanity, of of all the humans that were to come. And God uh, placed Adam in the garden, and God gave Adam a, a helper. He gave Adam a partner. He gave Adam a spouse because we all need to be in community, right? And and we need that help. And so he gave Adam a spouse named Eve. And God was caring for them. He put them put them in that garden and was caring for them. And so you could think of it as this glass of water. This glass of water represents this clean relationship that exists between humans, between Adam and Eve, and God. It's pure. It, it's it's holy. And because of that, God is face-to-face with with mankind. But you see, when when they're in the garden, God told Adam that, hey, you, you can eat from any of these trees, but there's one tree, one tree you should stay away from. I don't want you to eat from it. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Well, Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan. Satan appeared in the garden as a snake, and he was telling Adam and Eve lies. And he told them, you can eat of it. It's fine. It's fine. And Adam and Eve went to the tree, and they ate of its fruit. And that was the first act of rebellion that humans did against God. And in that moment, sin entered into humanity, into human history. And it fractured our relationship with God. And sin infected the human heart. Sorry, Pastor Ricky. Just like this red dye has has infected this glass of water. And so, from that point forward, all of humanity is born into this fractured relationship with God. We are born into sin. We are born with this natural, rebellious attitude toward God. Like there are times when we, yeah, we want to, to, um, to do what is right. And sometimes we do what is right. But most of the time, we're inclined to rebel against God. And, and you've experienced this right? Like, like you have experienced this in your life. There are times when you experience hurt, when you experience pain, when you experience um, either doing something wrong to someone or someone does something wrong to you. Like maybe, maybe when you were growing up, one of your parents had an affair and it just completely ripped your family apart. And you would spend one week at mom's house, one week at dad's house, but they were never able to be in the same room together. And you felt like your childhood was just robbed from you. Or, or maybe you, you have these unhealthy habits that you've been able to, to hold in the dark for a long time, but now they're starting to surface and it's starting to hurt the people who are closest to you. Or maybe you just found out one of your family members has been diagnosed with an uncurable illness. And it just, it pains you to, to have to watch them slowly fade away, whether it be their mind or their body. Or maybe you've been a victim of sexual assault and someone did an evil act against you. Or maybe you have, you have a teenager who just keeps acting up in school and you want to help them and every time you try to talk to them, it just ends in yelling 
and screaming at one another, and this, this wall has been put up between the both of you. Like, we all have these experiences, right? We all have these experiences that aren't good and that, that sometimes they're bad or sometimes they're evil. And it all is stemming from us being born into sin. Now, here's the thing. It gets worse. So if we, if we open up, first off, when, when we see uh, at the very beginning of, of our scripture here, in verse 12, Paul writes, just as sin came into the world through one man, he's talking about Adam. So just as sin came into the world through one man, that being Adam, and death through sin, so that death that he's talking about, it's a twofold death. First, it's a physical death. Like at some point in your life, you're not going to live physically forever. Like at some point you are going to die. But then also there's a spiritual death. It's that disconnect from God, that, that fractured relationship. So just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we're all born into sin and we're all born separated from God. But like I said, it gets worse. We see in verse 16, Paul says that, that the judgment following sin brought condemnation. So the judgment for, for Adam's sin was condemnation. Condemnation, you can think of it, it's this eternal separation from, from God, from the source of life, from the source of everything that is good. That is the judgment of sin. Now, this sounds like terrible news. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that there is hope. And that hope is in Jesus. Because you see, what Adam failed to do, Jesus conquered. You see, God sent Jesus to earth to be born of a virgin. So when Jesus, when Jesus came to earth and he, and he was born, he was born fully God, fully man, which meant that because he was fully man, he experienced every temptation that you have experienced, that you will experience. But here's the thing. Jesus never sinned. Not once. His entire life, he never sinned. He, he, followed, he followed God's design for life. And in doing so, he earned righteousness. He earned the right to be in the presence of God because he's sin-free. But Jesus sacrificed himself on your behalf, on my behalf. And what he did is he, he took on your sin on the cross. He took it and he paid the price for it. And so when, when Paul talks about the free gift, he says it over and over and over again. He says, the free gift, the free gift, the free gift is not like, the free gift is like, what he's talking about is the righteousness that Jesus is offering to you. That is the free gift. You see, all of us, when we're born, we're, we're born under Adam. We're, our default is to be born into sin. But Jesus offers new life. Jesus cleanses us of our sin. He says, you can have my righteousness, the righteousness that I earned by not sinning. This is my life, sin-free, and I'm giving it to you as a free gift. 
So when, when we choose to accept that gift, we, we die to sin and, and we are brought back to life in Jesus. So here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of it. In verse 16, remember how I said that, that the judgment of sin is condemnation? Well, as we continue reading in verse 16, we see that the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Justification. What this means, think of it in legal terms, right? Like you stand before a judge and you're justified. That means you are innocent. All that guilt is wiped clean. That's what Jesus is offering here. That is the free gift. I also want to point something out. Did you notice when I, at the beginning, when I was reading, did you notice how often the word rain popped in? And I don't mean like raindrops, I mean rule, like rain and rule. Like when we look at it, we see it in, in verse 14, right? Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. We see it in verse 17, that, that um, death reigned through Adam. And then we see it in verse 21, sin reigned in death. We see it three times. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Death reigned from, through Adam. And sin reigned through death. Without Jesus, right here, without Jesus, sin and death are reigning over us. But with Jesus, the free gift that he gives us, if you notice in, in verse 17 and 21, it says that grace reigns and rules over our lives. Grace reigns and rules over our lives. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus is our hope, what does the new life he offers actually look like? And what does it look like for grace to reign over your life? You see, I, I had this friend um, when I was going to Fresno State. I had this friend, his name is Bobby. Um, we met in, in one of my classes. And um, you see, we, we found a, a common ground. We were both believers. And Bobby was sharing with me sort of his life story. And from the outside, like from the world's perspective, Bobby had it all. Bobby had a great life. Like his parents, um, they, they were both wealthy. They were, I think one was a doctor. I think his dad was a doctor. I can't remember what his mom was, but they were, they were wealthy and, and they had a really nice house and they had really nice cars and Bobby never had any needs. In fact, he had most of his wants. And so from, from the world standards, Bobby had a really good life. But what he was telling me was that his relationship with his parents was awful. It was absolutely awful. Like they, they lived in the same house, but it's like they weren't even, like he wasn't even their child. Like they were so committed to their work that he was almost always in the way. And he would tell me that um, he never really got along with his dad. In fact, his dad would sometimes get physical with him. And then his mom would, um, the things she would say were, were just demeaning to him. They belittled him. And so he grew up in this home where he didn't really have a relationship with his parents. And you see, when he was in high school, um, I think it was high school, might have been junior high, one of them. Anyways, a friend invited him to church. And so invited him to youth. 
and um, Bobby loved the community there. Like, um, he, he jumped right in because it, there was something about it. It was so loving, and he, was, he felt like um, they were his family. And then um, over and over, they were teaching, like teaching about the new life Jesus is offering. And they were teaching about the way of Jesus and, and how um, he, could, he could experience new life. And, and Bobby was like, yes, that is what I want. And so he ran after Jesus. He's like, I, I want that free gift. And he took it. He accepted it. And then he dedicated his time. He's like, okay, I, I want to know Jesus. I don't only just want to know Jesus. I want to know how Jesus lived. And I want to know how Jesus is teaching me to live. And then he was praying over and over, God, would you please help my parents? God, would you please help them to be patient with me? God, would you please just change their hearts? And he, he said that there was a point where God silenced him. And he said he felt like, like God was saying, Bobby, I think we need to start working on you. And so his prayers changed. Bobby began to pray, God, teach me to be patient with my parents. God, teach me to be loving even when I feel like they're not loving me. God, teach me how to extend grace and mercy. Teach me how to build this relationship. And he said that it took years, years, because I think we were, we we're our last year at Fresno State. So it took years. But he's telling me, Brian, <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you the, the healing work that Jesus did in my life. Like I go over to my parents' house multiple times each week now. We have dinner together. We were laughing. We're sharing stories. He said, I was able to sit down and have an actual conversation with my parents. And not just that, we were able to talk about the past and we were able to work through it. And we're good now. We're not just good. We're thriving. We are flourishing. You see, that is what new life looks like. That is what new life looks like. That is what it looks like when grace reigns over your life. Like, like Jesus has, has wiped away that sin and he's, he's, enabled, he's enabled us to be able to, to walk in the new life that, that is filled with love and grace and peace and mercy. That's what Jesus wants for your life. It's, and the hope that we have for Jesus isn't this hope that like, okay, this utopian future that finally when we die, everything is going to be made right. No, that, that's true. But here's the thing. The, the, the free gift that Jesus is giving you is hope for today. It is hope for today. It is hope that, that, that God is going to work to mend those broken relationships you have in life. God is working in you to correct the bad and the evil and all that is wrong in the world. That is the business of Jesus. And that is what he wants to do, not just in your life, but in, in the life of your oikos, in the life of your family and your friends. That is the hope of Jesus. That that. What is broken can be restored. Because as we read here, Jesus restored our relationship with God, the Father. And we are no longer under Adam. We are under Jesus. And so, as people who, who, have, who have been forgiven, let us be people who forgive as people who have been loved, let us be people who love. 
I want to I challenge you. I want to encourage you. What does it look like for grace to reign in your life? Maybe there's, there's someone that you've hurt that you need to apologize to. Maybe there's someone who has hurt you that you need to forgive. Maybe there's an unhealthy habit that you've been trying to keep in the dark. Maybe it's time to bring that to light and get some help. Maybe there's, there's some family issues that you need to work through. Whatever it is, there is hope in Jesus. Hope that what is broken can be restored. So, like I said, may, may, may we be people who forgive. May, may we be people who love because God has forgiven us. God has loved us. And most of all, may, may the aroma of Jesus be attractive to everyone who you come into contact with. Amen.